1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the GC Sunscast, the longest running Gold Coast Suns show on the interwebs. Uh, thanks to our Patreon sponsors, Dale Snelling, Paul Vosti, Robbie Fiorini, Brody Burgess, Tom Kim and Tim. Uh, another big show today, we are discussing the talking points from the loss to North Melbourne, another disappointing loss for the Suns and what's happening with all this COVID stuff happening and uh, the Suns. Going down to Victoria for a bit of a hub So a bit of stuff to chat through today And to join me in chatting about all these topics Michael Fish Whiting from AFL.com.au Welcome to the show, how's it going?
2: G'day Shane, what a crazy um, crazy day today, Tuesday And it's been a pretty wild couple of weeks for Suns Sun supporters but It's um, not getting any easier having to go to Melbourne to play a quite unquote home game
1: yeah, it, it's going to be tough for the Suns to have to travel down uh, to Melbourne and play Richmond, who are going to be full of fire after a disappointing loss to St Kilda last week. Um, so it doesn't get any easier for the Suns. And if you actually look ahead to the, the Suns' draw for the next four or five weeks, it's pretty daunting. We played the Giants after Richmond, and then three consecutive top four sides in a row, Melbourne, the Bulldogs and Brisbane. Uh, it, it doesn't look good for the Suns. They're in for a world of hurt.
2: Yeah, they are. Um, I think if supporters would have looked at the bye, you would have seen the opportunities would have been fresh out of the bye. That's, I think, why the um, free match was so disappointing. Port Adelaide. Maybe to a lesser extent because they're an established team, but then North Melbourne on the weekend, that's where the opportunities have been to win and and now you hit a real um, string of difficult matches and probably not a great time to get Richmond. They've been the team under the pump this week um, externally and I'm sure internally as well because their um, premiership credentials are sort of hanging a little bit at the moment like on on the fringe of the eight and... Um, There used to always be a bit of a running joke. Well, it wasn't a running joke, but the Suns used to always think they'd come up against... Whenever they come up against a team, it would always be after they'd copped it from the media that week. And um, that's certainly the case this week because the Tigers have been right in the spotlight.
1: Yeah, they have. Uh, So it's going to be very, very tough for the Suns. But... um... We'll discuss more about this later. Let's start with what's just happened. The Gold Coast Suns uh, took on North Melbourne in Tasmania on the weekend. Nine goals, nine sixty-three to nine goals, eighteen seventy-two. A nine-point loss for the Suns, and the only multiple goal scorer was Josh Corbett. Uh, Tuke Miller was best on the field, I think, for the Suns with uh, thirty-two disposals, five clearances, five hundred and forty-two meters gained. Greenwood had 17 disposals, was the highest rated Suns player according to Champion Data with a player rating of 20.2 with 11 tackles and 7 clearances. And Nick Holman, I think, was probably the uh, underrated player for the Suns. 14 disposals at 93% efficiency, one of the more efficient players. And uh, six contested marks... uh, Sorry, six contested possessions and the goal. So... A couple of things to work through with that, Mike. Um, I think the pressure acts for some of our underrated players, uh, Matt Rao, Sam Flanders, Nick Holman, they really showed that there was intent there from a few players. Uh, Mm. I think Rao 32 pressure acts, that's the most he's ever gotten. And he is slowly building some form again after coming back from a, a couple of nasty injuries.
2: Yeah, I I liked seeing that from Matt. I saw that number of 32 and um, my eyes lit up because he's um, obviously had a slower start on this resumption than he did 12 months ago. We saw him burst onto the scene last year with those three best on grounds and I think people probably unfairly expect that that's the level he can play at all the time, but hardly played footy for 12 months and, and probably started a little bit slowly on his return a couple of weeks ago, but... I love seeing that from a, a young guy like Matty um, building his game off the defensive side of things. He's not getting his hands on the ball as much as he wants. He's at least putting pressure on and that's a part of Sam Flanders game I've actually liked most of this season. He, it's difficult to expect him to be at that level every week because he's the same age as Matty Rao obviously just in his second year but I really love that, um, his defensive intent. So, um, I mean, That's a great thing that two of the younger guys are leading the way but you would like to think that's contagious through the rest of the team and it, and it just hasn't been every single week.
1: Yeah, well, Sam Flanders has been quite impressive, at least since mm. after the bye. He's really been one of the few sons that could hold his head up high every week, uh, having performed. Another one, I think, is Nick Holman. He's a bit more yep. underrated, but um, he he's doing his job. He's being that role player and going where he's needed. Uh, lately, he's been more of a target down forward. We saw him take a good couple of marks in the forward mm. half against North Melbourne there. Who are some of the other underrated role players at the Suns that probably need to stand up? Because the only ones I can think of at the moment would be your, your Nick Holman, maybe your Sean Lemons. But um, yep. I feel like that might be where the side is struggling. We, we've we got a lot of flash, a lot of talent, but not enough role players, whereas you look at a team like Fremantle from um, you know, who beat us a, a, a few weeks ago, they're, they're a side that's pretty much full of role players.
2: Yeah, it's probably a good point. Um, a couple of, I think a couple of the other guys that probably that might fall into that category would be a, um, a Sam Day, obviously a lot more experienced, but probably plays a role of um, being a target forward and taking a little bit of pressure off Ben King. I don't think Sammy's been terrific since he came back, but a bit like Matt Rowley's spent so much time on the sidelines that he was out for about 12 weeks. So he's probably a guy that um, you would hope to see a bit more of in the coming weeks. Um Yeah, so he's probably the first one that jumps to mind and the other one that jumps to mind, and I don't know whether he fits into underrated or what sort of category you put him into, but Zach Smith just has to play better. Um, We all know that Jared Witts has gone down and that the Suns are without him for the whole year and sort of managed to get by little bits and pieces of Caleb Graham and Chris Burgess for a few games there, but it's Zach Smith's job to stand up and he's playing good Ruckman and Todd Goldstein and Scott Lysette the week before, and, and Sean Darcy's a young fella, but the Suns are just getting monstered around the stoppages at the moment. So I just really want to see a bit more from Zach. So I don't know whether he fits into that underrated category or not, but I think that's where some of some of the problems certainly start.
1: Yeah, well, I wanted to focus on the role players, and you're certainly right with Zach Smith there. Uh, Jared Witts is probably one of the biggest role players that the Suns have mm. in their side and missing him being the role player of the Ruckman and giving our ball users first choice, it, it's really showed the depth, and we don't have a Ruckman that could even come in and fill that role-playing sort of void where you you can just trust him to, to compete and do his job. Zach Smith uh, is having problems. He's, he's obviously come off a, a long injury, and that's probably affecting him, but... He, he he's not to the caliber that we've come to expect from from Jared Witts so it's a big ask for him one of the players that i'm actually surprised has only just gotten into the side um this week against north melbourne was Josh Corbett mm. he was the only suns player to take multiple contested marks on the weekend and he kicked three goals it really begs the question, why hasn't he been playing over the last few weeks? Stuart, Jew mentioned in his press conference that he hasn't been able to train. Do you know anything about this? Have, have you witnessed any sort of training from Corbett over the last month?
2: Yeah, I haven't seen much from him, to be honest. Um, I'm often there on i uh, I've been there for a few main training sessions, which is generally the Wednesday, and, and Josh hasn't um, trained a lot. Not every player does that main session, though, so some maybe I haven't read as much into it as what I should have, but he, he's right. Like He hasn't been out there um, a heap in the last few weeks, but your point's right. I mean, he's probably proved himself as one of the best contested marks in the team. Um, we saw him have a breakout game against Collingwood uh, six or seven or eight weeks ago now, and I think there's certainly been a lot of... I know the Gold Coast have traditionally liked to play with two two key forwards, and that's been Burgess as a backup ruckman. Now that Sam Day has come back in, he's taken over that role. But I, re- I really like Corbett. Um, I don't see him as a key forward, although he takes contested marks probably um, as well as any of them. But I see him as a guy that can work over his opponents by roaming up the ground and then coming back towards goal. So... Um, you're right, he probably does fall into that role-player category because he's a guy that can be a link between the midfield um, and the forward line, and then when it's his turn to to play deep if Sam Day is um, backing up in the ruck, he can do that role as well. So he, he is a good one.
1: Yeah, I very much see Corbett in the role of uh, a Tom Lynch from Adelaide in their yep. grand final year of 2017. Um, the ability to, to lead up the ground and provide that link target to then deliver to their tall forwards for Adelaide in those days it was Walker and Jenkins Um, the Suns they don't quite have the calibre of forward as that we've got Ben King who's an absolute star and will hope only get better, he just needs a bit of support down there and Sam Day who's a bit of a journeyman um, who's copped a, a pretty nasty career with injuries but Uh, He's always there providing a target. Uh, Probably just we'd we'd hope to see a bit more from him. Uh, What didn't work for the Suns in this game was I felt the lack of pressure inside 50 uh, was a concern. Greenwood was the only player that recorded multiple tackles inside 50. Um, So that's quite damning when you look at the amount of talent that we've got in that small forward position with Ainsworth, Flanders... um, Rankin Rankin as well, Sexton, Uh, Holman as well in there is is usually a player you would count for a few of those tackles. Maybe it's time to bring in a a small forward in Darcy McPherson who we know was a bit of a terrier. Maybe it's time for him to come back in because that's a real damning stat, the lack of pressure inside 50. The Suns built their game plan a few years ago thriving on that inside... forward 50 pressure and now it's nowhere to be seen
2: which is far, like and when they play their best this season i think of the sydney game and the pressure was frantic all over the field um and nick holman was probably ahead of that so <laughs> um you think of nick you think of um isaac rankin at his best i don't think isaac's had his best couple of weeks either um Benny Ainsworth did a couple of nice things the other day, but, yeah, his pressure. Alex Sexton's been someone who's probably... I've always had a question mark over his defensive... the defensive side of his game, and I think it's probably cost him a couple of times last year when he was dropped. Um, But, yeah, those guys aren't firing. We know that the bigger guys in Gold Coast's forward line don't have the mobility of some of the other big guys in the comp, like... a. I'm not seeing a Ben King or a um, Sam Day being able to apply a ton of defensive pressure. So it does mean that those smaller fellas really have to um, be frantic, and, and they weren't. It's funny that Hugh Greenwood was the only guy that laid multiple tackles, and my suspicion is that that probably would have been from forward 50 stoppages. That's not from um, entries going in there and um, and him putting pressure on. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really good point, and it's something they have to address. Darcy McPherson's a... a certainly a good option.
1: Yeah, we certainly need someone in there that's full of that uh, tackling prowess uh, especially if we're going to be playing the three key forwards if we include Corbett as a key forward in that as well. Um, The clearances for the Suns weren't fantastic either. They got beaten pretty comprehensively in the middle. Uh, Twelve North players had multiple clearances while only six Suns players Greenwood, Miller, Anderson, Smith and Rao and Ellis had more than one clearance to their name. So it's a another damning stat that there's just not enough work rate in the middle of the ground from the support staff at the Suns besides their immediate uh, first-choice midfielders.
2: Yeah, and I thought about that, and you, you think of North Melbourne and you think Goldstein and Cunnington, those guys are super experienced and absolute powerhouses. So, yes, I can. I would concede that. Yeah, I pro- I would expect Todd Goldstein to get the better of Zach Smith. I'd probably expect Ben Cunnington to um, get the better in tight of, of guys like Hugh Greenwood and Tuke Miller. So I'll give it to those two. But I think it was the other players that had such a big influence for North that would disappoint me if I was a Suns coach or player. Guys like Luke Davies-Uniak in his third or fourth year. Jai Simpkin had a big game. Those guys got a ton of ball around the stoppages. And and yes, some of that would be due to Goldstein's ruck dominance, but um, I'm sure the Suns would have planned for that to an extent. They would have wanted Zach to be maybe a little bit more competitive, but I'm sure they would have planned for Goldstein's dominance and where he likes to hit it. Just as they had to do earlier in the year when Caleb Graham and um, Chris Burgess were rucking, you have to plan for the opposition to win the hit sometimes so that's not really an excuse so I'm with you I was disappointed um, around the stoppages and there just doesn't seem that there's not that depth of midfielder that can run through there yes a guy like Sam Flanders can go and spend five minutes in there or um, maybe a Brandon Ellis can stand around a stoppage occasionally if it's around the ground but there's only really three or four or five guys you're happy putting in there There was no Dave Swallow. We have to acknowledge that. He'll be back this week and we'll help that out. But it's just not quite that depth of midfielder to run through there and and take the heat off uh, Greenwood, Miller, Anderson and Rao.
1: Yeah, and uh, when you think of what the Suns are lacking on their list, uh, a midfield isn't the first option that comes to Mm -hmm. mind. So it probably comes down to we need to... Well, the Suns need to get more out of some of their their side players, their fringe players. Um,
2: yeah, I, I just think... I mean, I obviously watch Brisbane very closely. Um, that's the other team I cover. But this is where I think... I mean, they've got a, a core of midfield, just like Gold Coast. There's a core of midfielders, but there's other guys that can rotate through there. So I would think with Gold Coast, this is where um, the development, which we'll probably get to later... Like, why isn't Ben Ainsworth able to spend more time on ball or why isn't Nick Holman able to spend a bit more time on ball? Or, I mean, there's players that I believe are capable um, and have the physical attributes to do that. And I just think there should be a few more guys probably spinning through there a, a bit more regularly.
1: Yeah. Um, did you go down to training last week and witness the one-on-one training that the club was so, I guess, media happy about? Uh, we saw a lot yeah. of it in the on Twitter and on the club's pages. It looked good from that perspective. From what we saw, what did you take from it?
2: Well, it was a definite change. Mm-hmm. Like I've, um, I reckon over the season, I've probably seen eight to ten main training sessions, or at least a good proportion of eight to ten main training sessions. Hadn't seen this before. It was. There was three or four different drills, probably totaling at least half of the session was just one-on-one contested work. So it was literal any player that was taking part in that session. So let's, off the top of my head, let's say 30 or 35 players would stand around and watch two players essentially fight for the ball. <laughs> the ball was thrown in between them, old school, and two boys would have to go and get after it and until there was an effective disposal. So... Um, that went on in three or four different formats over the space of the session and I certainly hadn't seen it. I asked Stewie Jew afterwards and he said that that stuff happens, but it's maybe not so stark because often there'll be 10 pairs of players going at it at once rather than just being one set of players while the whole team watched. So, um, yeah, I hadn't seen it that graphically before, but I thought it was good. I mean, um, if it's a card you only play every now and then was probably a good thing. And, yeah, they got after it, and obviously it sort of got a bit of energy going through the group because watching two blokes fight over a footy just seems to get uh, the rest of the squad um, pretty amped and pretty pretty motivated. So I I think in that regard it was probably a good thing.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it, and it looked like the players enjoyed it as well. Yeah. Do we think it had any impact on the performance on the weekend? I felt it's early that the boys were up and about and ready to apply the physical pressure. So there was definitely a definite improvement in the physical pressure. Um, however it, it didn't last and there were probably too many people that weren't trying to win their individual contest with their opponent. Um, to, to say that it, it had a remarkable impact
2: yeah it's hard to know whether mm. it, there's a direct correlation from that training session into the match um it was a slight improvement on the previous couple of weeks but to be honest it was a pretty low bar uh, i expected an improvement regardless so um
1: so where do you think the the suns game plan is at the moment because from a general supporters point of view it looks an absolute mess as we discussed earlier they built their game plan on forward pressure uh, over the last few years at the start of this year it looked like they were changing their game plan to be more possession based like teams like West Coast have done and now it's just an absolute mess I, I don't think you could pinpoint any sort of game plan from that. Have you been able to see anything with the amount of football you've seen?
2: Well, I'll probably agree with you. I, I, there's, To me, there's confusion around um, particularly how they're trying to move the ball. Um, I look at when there is a win at the stoppage, how you're trying to exit that stoppage and then trying to move the ball. And you're right, earlier in the year, there was this possession-type game plan, which I kept getting told was just tempo footy, which, um, <laughs> which I, I'm not sure if the Suns are good enough to do that, but um, that's what I was being told. So I'm not sure there's a – like, I certainly can't see a definitive, um, uh, I guess, plan to move the ball. Um, there's definitely a lack of confidence, though. I think that doesn't help. We can see in the last couple of weeks um, players referring the pressure to their teammates – handball backwards, handball backwards, and that's not helping anyone because it in- inevitably ends up in a rushed kick or a hacked kick forward, which is um, no good for the forward. So uh, to answer your question, no. I don't see a definitive game plan, particularly with the ball movement. Um, I'm sure I'm sure the plan is to, to press in the forward half, but we're seeing no evidence of it. And um, if you can't execute on it, Game plan, Um, whether there's one there or not, that's a big issue, and that's a that's a coaching and a
1: coaching panel issue. And have you discussed this with the coaching panel when you've been down at the club over the last few weeks?
2: Not specifically, because I think for me, when I watched the first two games out of the
0: bye. If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also is not a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough, they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot.
2: The biggest question for me was the effort and the the want to compete, so I was a bit more interested in that, but... um, I certainly think now looking forward, and I'm sure we're going to chat about Stewie Dew's tenure, like they're they're questions that have to be um, answered when you're looking at a tenure. Can you see, not only can you see a definitive game plan, but do your players believe in it enough to go out there and execute? Um, You could have the best game plan in the world, but if we can't see it out on the field and and the players aren't, um, quote unquote, buying in or preparing, or w- willing to execute it, that, that's an issue. So I think that's something where we can all look out for in the next few weeks and um, will be super important for Stewie's short and long-term future.
1: Yeah, so speaking of the tenure of the coach, has the messaging changed over the, that you've been receiving from the football club over the last month? Uh, we've discussed, I think it was us earlier in the year, we discussed how the messaging from the football club was very much, it's all about wins. And now it seems like they're they're backpedalling a bit about development. Um, Stuart Jew's under pressure. We know this from the media, but the club's always stood firm on him in the past. However, you get the sense that they might be wavering just a bit in the last few weeks. Have you sensed anything like that at the football club?
2: Yeah, so the messaging... Uh, you're right. The start of the year, it was um, like honourable losses weren't good enough. We know those first couple of matches or early in the season, the losses against, particularly against West Coast, Adelaide, Carlton, those matches where I think the Suns played well for maybe three quarters but couldn't get over the line. The messaging then was certainly that's not good enough. We want to be a club that wins and plays four quarters. It's definitely backpedalled now. The last couple of weeks out of the bye, the talk has been about consistency and becoming a consistent football club. And I get that that's important. Maybe you can't be silly enough to be... Um, you can't bury your head in the sand and say and continue trotting out those lines that we heard at the start of the year because when you're 4 and 10, um, pretending that you're a, like a a winning club and that's all you accept is... is um, Probably not accurate. So I understand to an extent, but um, there's been a definite change of messaging. And when it comes to Stewie Dew, um, yeah, the club certainly supports him. Although, I like I did think, um, I don't know if you saw the Tony Cochran's interview on AFL, the couch. On
1: the couch, yeah.
2: Yeah, I actually thought he could have been a little stronger in defence of his coach there. I think he had an opportunity or two to really go into bat for him and. He certainly didn't leave um, Stewie Dew out to dry by any stretch, but I, I thought he could have gone a bit harder, and I was a, I was a little bit surprised. It did raise a bit of an eyebrow that he didn't go a bit harder in support of him.
1: Yeah, yeah. and some of the other things going about, uh, I think Mark Evans had a radio interview as well and the day after, and he wasn't exactly thrilled to... Uh, I wouldn't say thrilled. He wasn't exactly forthcoming and positive on mm. Jew's future it was very much everyone's under pressure um so in saying that how long do we think stuart Jew has left at the football club we know he's contracted until the end of next year but yep the with the quality of coaches out in the market at the moment there's certainly a lot of pressure from that side of things and then the way this the club is performing and then on top of that these rumors that seem to be floating around that Players seem to have lost the passion to play for him. Surely it can't be helping him, even if it's not true that the fact those rumours are out there is a damn... It, it's a real concern for Stuart Jew and those around him in charge of, of in charge of yeah. selecting the coach.
2: Yeah, well, I, look, I don't think. I guess there's no short answer to how, how long has Stewie got? Like you said, he's contracted till the end of 2022. I don't think there's any rush to make any hasty decisions now. I can't see um, the club moving on him, certainly before the end of the season. I don't see any value in doing that. Let's see what um, the Gold Coast can produce over the final eight weeks. We know it's difficult. Um, We've already spoken about um, whether... Let's see some evidence of a game plan. Let's see some evidence of players being developed... Let's see what's there in the next eight weeks. If there's nothing there in the next eight weeks and it continues um, trickling downhill and going backwards and um, goal Coaster once again a, a laughing stock of the competition, well then you've probably got a decision to make and it and it might not be that difficult. but I don't see any use in pulling the trigger in you know two weeks or three weeks and having another interim coach and going through um, that drama again that we saw at the back end of Rodney Eade's tenure. Um, he's got eight weeks, and I don't think the club will move before then. Um,
1: yeah, I'd, I'd Let's probably, see what he's
2: got. He's under he's under a lot of pressure, and we we, we need we need to see some improvement.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you there. I I can't see the club sacking him mid season. Um, we discussed with Mitch Cleary last week that the the look that would have with the AFL having having to pay out another failed coach on the Gold Coast. Um, it wouldn't look good amongst the other clubs. It has a negative effect. You would think on the the players, the football club, the all areas really, because besides a few fans that are adamant that Stuart Jew needs to go, uh, the the discontent and the the instability that would cause would have more fans concerned about where the club is at at that moment. Because I don't think a lot of the supporter base could probably handle a fourth rebuild without any sort of success in between. Um, do you no. think the Suns could handle a fourth rebuild?
2: No, and what's I just, what's the rush? Mm. Um, why is there a rush to have an interim coach? And who's going to be the interim coach? <laughs> There's not many coaches um, at the Suns at the moment. Josh Franco's leaving at the end of the year. Um, Reese Shaw is a development coach. He got out of the head coaching role, you know, less than 12 months ago himself. I just don't see a, a point in um, rushing, any, making any hasty decisions in that regards. Can the Suns go through a fourth rebuild? Obviously, you don't want to have to do that. Bringing in another coach doesn't necessarily mean that either. We know that the um, most of the players, or a majority of the players... Um, are under contract until the end of 2022 there is a couple that are out at the end of this year so if the sons were to go down the path of moving on um due at the end of this season bringing in a new coach certainly doesn't mean a, a rebuild in that regard so um you wouldn't want to have to go to a forced rebuild but a new coach doesn't necessarily
1: mean you're doing that mm. uh let's segue with what you were just saying um We've got a listener question from Josh Barrow. He's asked, what's the vibe around the club in terms of deals for younger players? So we were just talking about some of the, young, the players out of contract at the end of this year. I know Sam Flanders is one of those players. Have you heard anything... Going around about those players being happy at the club, or any ideas of contracts? Have you heard? Yeah, anything?
2: I'd say. Yeah, Flanders is, from what I hear, Flanders is pretty close to resigning. Yep. I think he's he's happy there, so that's um, that's a tick for the club. I guess the like the names that people are concerned about, rightly, will come out of contract at the end of next year. It's the mm-hmm. rank and um Ben King trio that come out at the end of twenty twenty two. So. Um, as far as I know, um, they're all happy. I, I know St Kilda are certainly got their um, teeth. What do you get into? Your teeth or your claws? Or they're certainly into Ben King. There's mm. no, I don't think there's any great secrets about that, but um, the Saints have probably got a few concerns of their own at the moment before they start worrying about what's going on at the Gold Coast. So um, now Isaac Rankin, I believe, certainly is a guy that I um, know is very happy on the Gold Coast. So... Um, I don't think there's any major concerns with him at the moment. Jack LaCosia, so I don't have a good read on him. Certainly don't think he wants out, but we know the two South Australian clubs are going to um, have a look at those two guys. I certainly don't think... I'm not getting any feeling that those guys want out, um, which is super important for the longevity of the club. They don't have to make a decision um, too quickly, though. Mm. I'm sure they will want to see how this team progresses over the next eight weeks and... Then obviously into twenty twenty two, but um, I certainly get the feeling around the club that the young guys are pretty happy. They're all good mate. They're all good mates. Um, they enjoy um, each other's company and they enjoy their time at the club. So I don't. I certainly don't get the feeling that they're all about to rush out.
1: Yeah. Uh, so talking about retention, uh, let's bring it over to an article that you wrote last week. Uh, What's wrong with the Suns? It was on the AFL website and. I thought it was a a great written article. It basically just summed up all of the problems that we know as fans, uh, is wrong with the football club and things that they need to be constantly addressing. Otherwise, if it gets out of hand, it could really be problematic for the football club and affect all areas of the club. Um, it has received a little bit of negative attention on social media, uh, with some feeling that it was a bit of a a bit too much criticism off the football club, but Mm. how did you take that? Did you, did you see any of that criticism on social media?
2: Uh, I didn't see a lot. I saw one or two. Um, Yeah. I saw a little bit of negativity, but it didn't sort of bother me too much. It was something I'd obviously put a lot of thought into. It was um, a story that, I discussed with my bosses and some of the senior journos at our company um, as far back as last Monday. Like we, we obviously get our heads together at the start of the week to try and plan out the week ahead. And coming off that um, performance against um, Port Adelaide, it was, um, which was fresh off the performance against Fremantle. I mean, I was as frustrated as probably any supporter was at that Port Adelaide game. I was so disappointed in that performance and I'd seen it a couple of weeks in a row and I thought this is probably a time to get something down on paper because or well on the internet you don't do things on paper anymore but um, (laughs) to get it online because the Suns were a talking point (laughs) the rest of the competition was talking about the Suns, what's going wrong so um, rather than trying to come up with answers, my idea was to just lay the problems out, as you said there the problems that I have seen and what I think the problems are, let's just lay them out um, rather than coming up with answers. This is what's going wrong at the club. And if things continue to get worse over the coming weeks, maybe we'll step it up from there. But that's how I kind of approached it and a little bit of negative feedback. I don't really, um, I generally don't, I don't mind too much.
1: Yeah. I think it was sort of exaggerated, the negative feedback with uh, another journalist article uh, came out with like a day before yours, uh, Mick Warner over at the Herald Sun. Yep. He he basically had an entire article just criticising the football club uh, in regards to some players having a few drinks uh, celebrating the Niefel side's win, which was pretty special at the time because uh, Ned Moyle, Elijah Hollands, they'd just played their first games and they'd had a strong win over Aspley. Yet... Uh, the optics don't look good for the Suns. I'll admit that, but these are a bunch of twenty, twenty-one year olds to twenty-five year olds that are are out there bonding with teammates. And despite the fact that the senior side had a poor loss, the the development side, the Nephil uh, sorry Nephil the VFL side, they, I still they... call it Nephil sometimes too. <laughs> <laughs> the, the VFL side they still had a really resounding victory and. um yeah, they're entitled to support that I think, but uh, a lot of the people down I guess Mick Warner and others mm. in the media took that as a an opportunity to to bag on the Suns.
2: Yeah, I certainly um I read Mick's story, he's a damn good journo. It's like he um certainly gets to the root of a lot of problems within the AFL industry, but um yeah, I I'd heard about that. Um, Saturday night where a lot of the players had gone out to, to celebrate as you say and um, it's not something like I would personally do but I'm not a 19 or 20 or 21 year old anymore so I'm, I don't have a massive issue with it and the fact that it was 7 days before they played again, again probably I didn't have a huge issue with that if there was a short turnaround if that was last Saturday night coming into a Thursday game I'd certainly have a problem with that um, impacting your recovery. So I think that was Mick's way into the story. I don't want to speak on what what, and how he decided to write, but I think that was his way into the story. And then he went on to um, detail some criticisms towards Stuart Dew from um, some ex-employees and some other people around the club. So um, that was his way in. And um, I actually had, not that this is a big deal to your listeners, but... Like I'd certainly had my story written prior to even seeing Mix, just that mine got run a couple of days later. So what he had, what um, he
1: wrote, had no impact on on what I wrote. Mm. So what you wrote was basically, if I remember correctly, there were five topics that I guess were the yep. the the issues that the Gold Coast Suns face that they need to address and need to be on top of. We've discussed retention already. Um, one of the other things was around the coach, Stuart Jew, so we've discussed that one as well. Um, development is another issue that we, we've got to discuss. The, the Suns haven't been great with development. It seems like a lot of their star players have never really evolved to that star status. Um, and even some of the players that's left the football club, they haven't really gone on to do great things.
2: Yep. Yeah, look, I'm... I don't, like, again, Like I don't have the answer for this but it's a clear problem and I used, for that part of my story, I used the 2016 draft as my way into that point but it wasn't just exclusive to those mm. guys and that's Ben Ainsworth, who I'm super excited about as a player but we're at year five and he's had some injuries on the way but he was the same draft as um, Hugh McCluggage, who I watch every week and is in all Australian contention at the moment and I mean, maybe it's apples and oranges a little bit. They're different positions and whatever. But we're, we're year five for Ben. We're year five for Will Brody. Can't get a spot in the and, seniors.
1: And we're not criticising these players. We're just no, saying no, it's... They, they haven't, they, they're they good players in their own right, but they haven't lived up to the expectation that comes with being a, a top draft pick.
2: That's right. They're clearly talented you don't go in as a top 10 pick or a first round pick if you don't have talent. And generally by year five, the expectation or year five or year six is that you've developed a, uh, a body and um, physical strength and running capacity to match it with the rest of the men in the competition. Your first couple of years, you're at a physical disadvantage, but by year five and six, you you're that's not an issue anymore. So you're expecting that that talent Um, matched with your physical development would mean that you're a a player that can impact the competition every single week. So the fact that we don't see that from... um, I'm not ragging on these players. Like I said, I I really think they've got a lot of ability. Um, uh, Jack Bowes is someone who's had a a, a decent season, but again, I I haven't seen a ton of development um, with him. Braden Fiorini, these are all names that we hear about and people go, why aren't they playing? Or why aren't they playing better every week and that's mm. something the sons have got to put their hand up for like why aren't they <laughs> is it the coaching is it the um uh, like is it the welfare like what is it why aren't these guys developing massive issue and um something i don't have an answer for Shane. but it it has to be addressed
1: yeah so rod walsh on facebook asked what is the gap between the level of professionalism between sons and lions and what should we do with will Brody?" So I guess the the question is: Is the development is there a gap between what you've witnessed at Brisbane and Gold Coast in terms of development as well with the professional? Well, it's,
2: it's it's tricky. Like obviously, I'm not. Um, we hardly get to watch any sessions, okay. um, to be honest. Like where, gee, I, I think I've seen Brisbane train for a total of about four hours this season Mm. maybe five like you you hardly get to see that stuff but as far as professionalism goes i don't think there's much of a gap in professionalism um the suns players all seem hungry to me the lions players all seem hungry there's not guys flexing off there's not a heap of guys going out uh partying although we just touched on that on a saturday night but they're not sacrificing training for partying so I don't think there's a drama in professionalism, and one, but it is the development. Yeah.
1: And one other question, Benjamin T. Drever asks, does the club keep tabs on past players and why they might, might thrive in a different environment? So there you think of players like Lyons, Hall, Scrimshaw, McKenzie, who are all doing pretty well at their other clubs after being delisted or um, let go by the Suns you would have had a bit to do with Lions having moved up mm. to Brisbane there as well do you and obviously I would imagine you would probably ask the question of the Suns every now and again if they're aware of Jared Lyons and how well he's traveling
2: I, <laughs> I can tell you they hate when Jared Lyons does something good because it just um, just sparks a whole um, list of stories again about how the Suns botched it by letting Jared Lyons go. But, yeah, I mean, he's a prime example. And, and that might not... That's not a... I don't know if Jared's necessarily improved a ton as a player since he came to... Br- Brisbane's a better fit because there's probably better players around him and more experienced players around him. But... Whether it's giving him the confidence, whether it's believing in him, and or whether it is physically tailoring his program a bit differently in the pre-season to allow him to, to play every game. I mean, they're all little elements. But certainly, it, there's a massive... With Jared, certainly, it was certainly belief um, from Brisbane, believing that he could play that role and giving him the confidence. He said to me... I, I spoke to him on Monday afternoon after he... Um, signed a three-year contract extension. Tell me about your early days at Brisbane. And he said after six weeks, just before Brisbane was due to play Gold Coast, he was struggling a bit, and he said to Chris Fagan, oh, mate, I understand if you want to leave me out this week. I'm not going that well. And Fagan said to him, no, 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 don't be stupid. You're you're in our team every week. And Jared said it was only a little thing for him. Uh, It was probably only a little thing for Chris Fagan, but it meant a lot to him. So um, that belief, it's amazing what it can do. And I'm sure there's probably a couple of guys in, in the VFL probably thinking that at the moment.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's um, all, all the best to Jared Lyons. He was one of my favourites when he was at the Suns. It's a shame things didn't work out for him, but sometimes the player just needs a, a different environment. Um, That's
2: right, and, and he's not really ragging on the Suns so much. He even said himself he's become a better leader since he left Gold Coast. He's certainly matured a bit more, so um, it's not always... Um, a one-way street like he he certainly puts his hand up and say he's he's developed in those areas since he left and probably wasn't as good at them when he was at Gold Coast
1: Yeah. Alright well that brings us to the end of the show thank you again so much Michael for joining me and giving us a bit of insight into the media, uh, your side of things and how it all works
2: No worries mate, anytime
1: Alright well until next time, go Suns